I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Here we are in the middle of this election campaign, and we have all these revelations coming out about Hunter Biden and his involvement with a gas company, a Ukrainian gas company uh, by the name of Burisma. And then we have whistleblower complaints coming out about Donald Trump's contact with the president-elect of the Ukraine in July, at the end of July, I think it was July 25th was when the call took place. And it just gets me to thinking, um, is it is it any shock to anybody that these people, let's say the Bidens, for example, are calling in favors to to get rich? on the on the backs of national security like it, it, it strikes me as odd that anybody is arguing the point that everything was on the up and up like basically these people could just argue oh we can do whatever we want in the name of national security and putting my son as an insider into this gas company was necessary under the guise of national security because we needed an insider in there. But instead, you know, you got, you got this prosecutor that Biden and Obama pressured to have fired in the Ukraine and they're denying it had anything to do with him investigating Hunter Biden's role in Burisma or um, bribery in the Ukraine, even though they threatened to, withhold $1 billion of aid to the Ukraine. If, uh, if this prosecutor wasn't, wasn't let go. You have Joe Biden denying that he ever spoke to his son about this position that he was, he was taking him at Burisma. You got, you got the father of the year, Mr. I love my children more than anything. And after my wife died, I was the one sole proprietor I was the one that was raising my children by myself and I'm 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 the best father ever in the generation of fatherhood <laughs> you've never had a conversation with your son about his his three million dollar you know 50 what was a fifty thousand dollar a month position he took in the Ukraine with with all the mess that was taking place in the Ukraine between the Ukraine and Russia like that. It just never came up. You, you don't, you, you didn't talk to him about it. It seems odd to me. Like you're, you're super dad. Remember you're, you're the best father ever. Uh, we, we should all follow your example in fatherhood. And, uh, <laughs> And then you have a, a whistleblower complaint on on the conversations that Donald Trump was having with the with the Ukrainian government, um, with the president elect of Ukraine in July, and it's like where, where did where did y'all even get this? Like you're 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 just coming out and you're admitting that you're tapping the phones of the president of the United States, like in. And if, if you're listening in on the president's 
conversations, those conversations that are supposed to be national security, you know, like the top, you know, top secret classified, you know, ranking yet you're, you're just admitting, yeah, we're listening in we're, we're, we're getting this information. And now we have a complaint that he was making promises to the Ukrainian president. If the Ukrainian president continued the investigation and don't get me wrong, it's for political purposes, but, but all this shit's for political purposes. You know, Nancy Pelosi saying that she's going to investigate this this whistleblower uh, complaint. Well, they've been investigating every fucking shit Donald Trump has taken since he's been the president. Yeah, you know, th- this is what they do. They don't even let him scratch his ass without a fucking formal investigation. So, it it, it strikes me as odd to to play this off as Donald Trump is being ultra political while we're just trying to do the right thing. No, you're, you're all being ultra political. And if you think for a second that any of us believe that Hunter Biden got that job based upon merits and not based upon who his father was and not based upon a wink, wink agreement that this prosecutor wasn't fired because he was possibly discussing the possibility of investigating the corruption that went into Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden getting this position. Like we're, we're not fucking idiots. People, like, they don't think that we see through this ruse. They don't think that we know that the only reason that there was, um, a coup in 1953 in Iran was because of business interests. They don't think that we know that the only reason that we're allied with Saudi Arabia is based on business interest. Do we not know that the coup that took place in Guatemala was all based on business interest? This is, this is ridiculous. They're trying that they're trying to pretend that there's no, you know, there's there's not this this just merging of of international business and politics in this in this country and we're just supposed to buy it i mean look at what's going on in saudi arabia right now the entire the entire thing is is based off of you know, um, business interest. This, this all has to do with, with moneyed interest, the petrodollar. Um, as Scott so woefully put it yesterday when I was texting back and forth with him, full spectrum dominance, full spectrum dominance. They don't want to just dominate militarily. They want to dominate financially. They want to dominate business. They want, they want everything running through the United States. They want the United States of America to be the end all be all for everything. They don't think that that foreign nations have the the right of sovereignty. And we're not idiots. I mean, we can look back in history and see that the the entire <clears throat> the entire relationship with Saudi Arabia was traced back all the way to Operation Cyclone in which the the CIA and the State Department were funding and training the Mujahideen 
And at that time, they were calling them anti-communist jihadist. And Saudi Arabia entered into the deal with us, creating between the CIA and Saudi Arabia, they created this bureau to train and board and indoctrinate these Islamic fighters called the Services Bureau. And the Services Bureau still exists today. It's now, I believe it's stationed in New York and it's called Al-Kafir, if I'm not mistaken, is what it's called now. Something like that. I'd have to go, I'd have to go look it up, but I can find it. And it's still in, it's still, you know, in operation today. We still have Al-Qaeda flying in and out of the United States on, on visas that they're not supposed to have. We all know that the blind sheik was, was, was given visas seven times by the CIA, despite being on the terrorist watch list. We all know this. And we all know that the only reason that the United States and Iran are at odds with each other is as Scott so poignantly pointed out, it's all about Israel. It's all about Israel. It has nothing to do with anything else. Think about it. In the eighties, when the Iran Contra scandal was going on, we were running, we were running guns to Iran using Israel as a middleman. And then suddenly in the nineties, Israel decided that Iran was the, 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 largest evil on earth and suddenly the United States after Bill Clinton and his administration finished laughing at Israel about their complete 180 on Iran they just decided okay well we'll just go along with it we'll just go along and why like what what does Israel have on the United States what how where does this influence that Israel has on the United States come from well it comes from the ideology of neocons the neoconservative ideology has crept its way into every aspect of american foreign policy that though the neoconservatives are not in you know power at this point in time their ideas they have they have specific ideas that remain it's kind of like the progressives even though they're not in power at this time there are still ideas that remain and that we still have to live with day in and day out and they, these become the ideas to conserve. This becomes the status quo. And so now they're sending more troops to Saudi Arabia for business interests. And it's not benefiting anybody but the businesses. Like, don't get it twisted. The United States could very easily drill for its own oil. But because we've arrived at some sort of deal with Saudi Arabia creating the petrodollar into which all oil is traded for the US dollar in order to create to make the US dollar the backing of every other currency in the world we have to bow and bend knee to the Saudi government we have to overlook the murder of Jamal Khashoggi and we definitely have to protect their oil fields from the Houthis. And it's not Iran. They say Iran. The Houthis are, are a type of Shiite, which is, is a prominent um, 
ideology in Iran. And so if it's a Shiite, they just pretend, oh, it's Iran because it's a Shiite. And is Iran backing them? Yeah, possibly. But I mean, what, what could Iran get through to them with all the blockades? Like really, what can they get through to them? What kind of weapons could they get through to them? What, what kind of aid could they get through to them? Virtually nothing. Minuscule. Yet, we're just supposed to believe, oh, well, Iran is this supervillain that's going around the, the world and creating all this turmoil in the Middle East. When in all actuality, the United States is the supervillain acting on behalf of Saudi Arabia and Israel in the Middle East, creating all the turmoil, creating all the refugees murdering hundreds of thousands of people, a million children with cholera. That's the United States doing. And the United States has no national interest from a citizenry level as to what's going on in Saudi Arabia. This is all business interest. This is all elite interests. This has nothing to do with the American people. Yet we just, we just, eh, whatever. As many Americans need to die to defend Saudi oil interests, that's what we're going to do. We're going to murder them all. And so we're sending more arms and more troops to Saudi Arabia. More anti-aircraft technology that, can't, that doesn't seem to be working against these small-level drones that the Houthis are using. And then you have the Ukrainian business interests and all the arm twisting in that, that arena. And all this is about politics. It's all about business. It's all about money. It's all about enriching the same people that are getting rich off the backs of American children dying in the name of national security. I mean, they don't, they don't care how many soldiers are committing suicide or the numbers of soldiers with PTSD or the numbers of soldiers that are coming back with cancer or any of these things. They don't care. It doesn't matter to them because, you're, because the right people are being empowered and enriched. Not those lowly infantry soldiers. Not those, not those NCOs, but the real power brokers, the real elites, the bureaucrats, CIA, FBI, DIA, all of them. They're all getting rich. They're all getting rich. And our sons and daughters are paying the price. Lifetimes of misery of mental strife suicidal thoughts of PTSD and God forbid one of them smokes a joint I'll probably be swatted and shot down in the street like a dog because once you're in the military and you come back as a veteran now you're on a watch watch list as a terrorist 
because, well, we trained you to kill and you went over there and you became mentally anguished by what you had seen and you're just a bad American now. Yet they want to continue the fighting in Afghanistan despite all the tragedy that's taken place. They keep troops in Syria despite all the tragedy that's taken place. They're, they're bombing Libya again for who knows why because in, despite all the tragedy that's taken place. But, but sides, despite the slave markets being opened up in the middle of damn the capital city. And then we have this horrible war in Yemen going on. And here's the latest from anti-war from September 22nd, Saudis pound Yemen after Houthis truce offer. The, it appears that the Houthis offered a, a joint truce 27 after after this after they offered this truce 27 Saudi airstrikes were reported against targets in northern Yemen in just the last 24 hours the Houthis described the attacks as a dangerous escalation and reiterated they'd meant to get everyone together for a peace process and why and why does why is Saudi Arabia so against a peace process why why do not they not want to sit down with the Houthis and, and have talks about a peace process when their oil fields are being attacked by the Houthis. They can't stop them. The Houthis are doing everything in their power to, to fight back and defend themselves against this, this U.S. Saudi Al-Qaeda attack on them. And yet, nobody wants to sit down and say, you know what? It might be a good idea to have talks. It might be a good idea to say, you know, the Houthis don't want the entirety of Yemen. Let's let them have their little northern province and we'll install a puppet dictator in the south because that's what they're going to do anyway. If they beat the Houthis, they're just going to install a puppet dictator. So why not just put one in the south? But that's for some reason, that's an unreal. Un, it's, it's, it's unreasonable to expect peace processes to go forward, just like the peace process between the U.S. and the Taliban didn't go forward. It's unreasonable. We can't expect to sit down and have conversations with these people. We can't make deals with them. They're backwards. Their thought process is wrong. They think they should be sovereign. But we need full-spectrum dominance, and we can't have full-spectrum dominance if we offer them their sovereignty. So what are we going to do? We're going to act as if we are backing an ally against an act of aggression by Iran, who Pompeo continues to call the world to stand up against Iran. You know, that's going to work. Everybody can see through your BS. Even I can see through it. It's a bunch of crap. Everybody knows Iran had nothing to do with that strike. The Houthis have taken full credit for it. They can't even determine exactly where the strike came from. 
They can't tell if some of the Houthis had actually penetrated the border of Saudi Arabia and sent the strike off from within the border of Saudi Arabia or if it came across the border of Yemen. They have no idea. They don't know where it came from. But somehow they know Iran did it. <laughs> you know, that's like, it's just, that's just paranoia. It's, it's extreme paranoia. And then they lower these sanctions down on Iran because they know they can't go to war with Iran. They know that would look horrible to invade Iran. Not to mention that Iran would be damn near impossible to defeat in any way, shape, or form. It would turn into another Vietnam. It would be another Afghanistan. It would go on forever. Do you think the Iranian people are going to sit back and allow a foreign country to come into their, their borders and and rule over them don't forget that was tried that was tried and in the late 70s they said no no more of this crap and they overthrew that regime the iranian people aren't going to sit back and allow no more than the united states uh, and the citizens of the united states would allow people to come in here and rule over us an occupying army just roaming the streets dropping bombs at will, you think for a second the American population would put up with that? No, there would be armed resistance to the teeth. There would be death and destruction everywhere. No one's going to put up with that. No one's going to tolerate it, especially um, uh, someone like Iran who views the United States in, in the way that it views the United States as such an evil around the world, doing all these evil things around the world, propping up these evil regimes like Israel. Now, good news is Netanyahu looks like he is, has lost power finally, and that we're going to be seeing a new administration in, in Israel. Um, I don't know how much that's going to actually matter. Now I'm very cynical when it comes to anything government related, um, especially when it comes to foreign policy, um, because of all the reading I do, I focus a lot on intelligence on the, um, you'll notice I'll mention the CIA, the state department, the DIA, I'll mention these things constantly. Just about every episode, it comes up in some way, shape, or form because that's what I'm really interested in looking into. And it seems to me, and this is my breakdown, my analysis of, of what's going on. Everybody's heard, or I would assume you've all heard, Woods rule. No matter who you elect, you always get John McCain. And I think that's because it doesn't matter who you elect the same people are still pulling the strings. The same people are still in charge. As John Kiriakou called them, the permanent government. Those non-elected bureaucrats that are operating and in, in running the CIA and the intelligence agencies, the uh, director of national intelligence, the director of the CIA, the director of the NSA, these, these are the people that are creating the policies. And it doesn't matter who, who you are trying to put in office, what they say, what they run on, how many times that they stress that they're going to pull out a war or that they're going 
or they're not going to be starting new wars or there's not going to be any regime change wars. It doesn't matter because this is the perspective of, of the CIA and of the intelligence community that you have to be doing these things, that these are necessities to grow empire, to continue empire and to continue empire successfully. And I believe that you'll see the same, same type of results in Israel that Mossad is pulling the strings there, that they're the ones who are actually creating the policies that are being followed by the prime minister, that it doesn't matter who's elected or what party's in power that they will not have the ability to look for more peaceful solutions, even if that is their instincts. And I think the only way, I don't even know if there is a way to fight it. Um, the, you can, you can demand all day long that Congress takes votes and Trump can just, you know, veto the, the bill to stop the war in Yemen. Yeah. They just, nah, whatever. It doesn't matter what the people want. It doesn't matter what Congress says. This, that's not, that's not our policy. This is our policy. We're doing it in the name of national security. So there's nothing, as, as we've covered, there's nothing that you can say or do to get the information from these people because it's all done in the name of national security. And the funny thing is, everything, it's, it's when you, uh, I, I remember listening to Glenn Greenwald and when he was going through the Snowden documents and he said the, the thing that was um, most telling to him, that, that, that shocked him more than anything else in all of the documents was that everything is classified. Everything. Everything within the government is classified. Everything within the NSA is classified. If a secretary takes vacation, it's classified. These are some of the documents that, that were being you know, dug up out of the Snowden documents where, where things as innocuous as vacation requests. You know, and I'm like, wow. That's, that's insanity. So, so no matter what they can do what they want. And that's why they can get away with, with, um, listening in on the president's phone calls or, or getting the transcripts and then filing a whistleblower complaint against the president of the United States, whether he did anything wrong legally or not. If he didn't act within the parameters of national security, of the intelligence community, and the way that they want to act in these in these matters, and that, that the way they want to pursue these matters, then he's he's breaking protocol. And if he's breaking protocol, what may look like some harmless statement to you or I could be could be the the ultimate sin in the eyes of, of the intelligence community because the president of the United States is not in their purview 
of what is considered national security. And I'm, I'm actually, I ran into a book the other day and I was only, only able to borrow it out of the archives. Um, I'm going to look for a copy of it, but it's out of print and it's called the armies of ignorance. And I started reading it. It was, it was written by William Corson, who was former military intelligence, former CIA. Um, he was a Lieutenant Colonel in the Marines and, uh, he died at the age of 74, I want to say in the eighties, but he wrote this book in 1977 and it was a breakdown of the intelligence community and the, and the history of the intelligence community. And just within the first, when they, within the first, um, chapter, within the first couple of pages, he's, he's already like describing like when a new president is, is elected into office, then they have their own, their, their like for all intents and purposes, they are the head of, of the intelligence community. And it is up to the existing members of the intelligence community to brief the, the new head of the intelligence community, the president of the United States on all the activities past and present and future of the intelligence community and when, how they're going about their business in national security. And when they read him in, and he agrees for them to continue going on with these illegal charades. And this is what, what William Corson called them, illegal activities. And when he agrees that, oh, yes, you can continue to do these in the name of national security, then he is just as guilty as the president, uh, the previous president, and all the people that are involved in these activities. So what happens is when you get a president like Trump who's speaking out against the intelligence community and he goes against their will so often, they keep reading him in and saying, look, 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 we just, we, we agreed on this. This is the way we're going to handle this. And when you got somebody like Mike Pompeo right there next to him in his ear, they're able to kind of keep him in check and they're able to say, look, you're on the hook for this just as much as the rest of us are. So you better keep your mouth shut and you better fall in line. And when he doesn't fall in line, when he might say something on a phone call to a foreign leader that they don't like, they say, oh, well, you know, he released classified information, which if I'm not mistaken, the president of the United States has the power to declassify anything that is classified. So when he says it, it's no longer classified if he says it in public to a public audience. If I understand how it works, but no, they'll, they'll continue to come out and they continue to spread these rumors through the media. They continue to use the media to, to steer the president, to steer Trump in, in the ways they want to, when he tries to pull troops out of Syria, well, they get in the media's ear. Look how weak he is. This is dangerous. ISIS is going to take control. We can't, we can't allow Syria and Iran to and Russia to have control of that region. That's dangerous. That's dangerous to national security. The Kurds are going to get killed. Well, so we got to leave troops there. You got to make sure there's, you know, 5,000 or whatever they left behind, 2,500, whatever it was. Ridiculous 
like ridiculously low number, but they just want to maintain that presence. They want those boots on the ground to maintain that presence in whatever regions because they, they want full spectrum dominance. They need that dominance in that region. And what better way to take that dominance? Because as much as I talk about, we don't want a war with Iran, that it'll be horrible for the United States. Well, Iran doesn't want a war with the United States either. Like, seriously. I mean, in, 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 in all actuality, if it really got came down to it, the United States could start spreading rumors about Iran using nuclear weapons on the battlefield. They could create a false flag where they use a, a mini nuke and then they blame it on Iran and boom, drop about three nuclear warheads on Iran, destroy the entire country, kill everybody, and that's that. What's done is done. Worst come the worst, they could do that. And Iran has, has no way of fighting back against that. Because the propaganda machine in the United States is trillions of dollars a year. And no matter what people like I say or what people like Scott Horton says or what people like Pete say or, or Danny uh, Sherenson or any of these people, Matthew Ho, John Kiriakou, no matter what any of us say, we cannot compete with this propaganda arm that runs its propaganda through the media into the public mind. And then you have just average Americans, just average people, the guy next door. When you say, look, man, we shouldn't be, be at this war. This is stupid. We, we shouldn't be involved in bombing Yemen. Yeah, but they're Shiites. Okay. Just replace the word Shiite with Jew. You think that would go over well? You can't just, oh, they, have, they think wrong. It was 1984. You got wrong think. They have the wrong ideas. They have the wrong culture, the wrong way of life. So we got to bomb them into submission. It's pretty fucking ridiculous. And then you got, you got us treating Iran as if they are the biggest threat to, to peace around the globe. When the United States is the biggest threat to peace around the globe. The United States is is the country that is bombing in over 100 different countries. It's the United States. The United States starting new wars every four years. That's the United States. That's not Iran. And just to, just to turn around and say, well, since the Houthis are Shiites and Iran is run by Shiites, then it must be Iran. That, that did this and how how much of a clusterfuck is it that we went into Iraq we overthrew Saddam's regime put the Shiites into power creating a, a large a greater bond between Iraq and Iran Saudi Arabia gets all pissed off so we give them the war in Yemen and now suddenly they want more Americans involved in the war in Yemen because they want Iran blamed for everything that's going wrong on their on their soil Maybe you shouldn't have started bombing the Houthis. 
Maybe you should have said, you know what? These people want a sovereign nation. But no, full spectrum dominance is way too important. So we give them what they want in order for the United States to have the control of the region. And I'm sure that the the war in Yemen wasn't just the Saudis' idea. I'm pretty sure the intelligence agencies had a lot to do with that. And I'm sure eventually in 20, 30 years, it'll come out. You know, it'll come out just like Operation Mockingbird came out. It'll come out just like Operation Northwoods came out. It'll come out just like Timber Sycamore came out. It'll come out. Operation Cyclone. We know about all these things. We know about all these atrocities that the intelligence community has been involved in. And to think that that Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, or, or Saudi Arabia are going to be held accountable for participating in business interests at the CIA and the DIA and the NSA and the Washington elite all have interest in? They're going to pay some consequence for that? No. Nobody's going to pay any consequences for that except for Trump. You're going to, you're, you're investigating the wrong thing. You're looking in places you shouldn't be looking. You're doing the wrong thing. Get back in line. Stick to protocol. If you don't stick to protocol, then yeah, might have another Dallas 1963. Never know. So any of y'all expected Trump to quote unquote drain the swamp. I think you completely underestimated the power of the intelligence community and just what these people will do and are capable of doing in the name of national security. That's all I got for you today. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.